Welcome to another broadcast of Truth Be Told, where we believe in experience becomes truth. I'm your host, Tony Sweet, and joining me as usual, we have the one and only Captain Ron. Today, we go to the other side with the help of a very talented psychic, actually the psychic lawyer, Mark Anthony. Mark, who is a world-renowned, fourth-generation science-based evidential psychic medium who communicates with spirits. He has been featured regularly on major television shows such as CBS award-winning shows like The Doctors. He is also the author of the best-selling book called Evidence of Eternity and Never Letting Go. And Mark likes to combine his gifts as a psychic medium with his experience as an attorney. He relates to each client on a personal level and his positive personal demeanor is an uplifting influence for people coping with the aftermath of a life-threatening, life-changing, or life-ending trauma. We also want to touch on some unsolved mysteries that Mark has worked with. So we want to welcome to Truth Be Told, where we believe in experience becomes truth, the psychic lawyer, Mark Anthony. I didn't even mention that whole uh, attorney part of it either. The lawyer thing, yeah. (laughs) Well, Mark is back. We're so happy to have you in studio with us again. Thank you, Tony. Um, I w- you know, thank you for having me on the show. I love Truth Be Told. love working with you and, and with Captain Ron. And uh, I, I can't say enough good things about, oh, about you. what you're doing. Well, well we, what's funny is Truth Be, Truth Be Told started out as average guys wanting to know answers. Well, above average. There you guys. go. Uh, careful. Well. I, if you would see my report card, right. it would be below <laughs> average. Hey, don't don't sell yourself short. Albert Einstein right. said, everyone is a genius. Just don't ask a fish to climb a tree. <laughs> I've okay? done that once. So we're all, we're all good at something different. <laughs> right. and, and I like what you said, two average guys wanting to know answers. What is the first step to wisdom is saying, I don't know. Mm. And I, I do that often. <laughs> we, we all do. We all yeah. do. You know, it's yeah. like um, it, it's it's not so much sometimes having the answers, but knowing the right questions. True. That is true. And I think that's why we always tell people we're not experts. We're just enthusiasts that pe- bring experts on that have lived the life, that have done the research and traveled the world to bring us and our audience the wisdom of the ancients. And that's that's one thing we're I think we're going to touch on today is. Uh, last time you were on, we we touched on quite a few different things, but yes. some of these ancient sites we really didn't d- dive into it because uh, a lot of people are archaeologists that we have on, but we we don't have a lot of psychics. Well, to that's, actually uh, talk well, about well, quick before we ask him a question, sites. I wanted to say that we were just saying before we went on how Mark is is interesting. Not only does he have these psychic abilities. He is way more diverse than that. We also oh, yeah. he's gone to different ancient sites. He explores these things. He's a, a student of history too. You're, you're very knowledgeable in all from kinds a of very history. young age, and and, that and that's great. Yeah. And then that gives us a much more rounded things. We can. It's really great. Right. I really, I really appreciate that. Well, thank that. you. Yeah. I, well, I've always been fascinated in planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since the mothership dropped me off. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Speaking yeah, of go. which, speaking of which, when are you guys unveiling the new logo for Truth Be Told? They just showed to me. I, now see, that I, was I off. Tell, Record. That I, was private conversation. Yeah, but this is a this is exciting. I'm going to tell the the <laughs> listeners. Um, they have come up with an absolutely dynamic 
uh, dynamic new logo for the show, and I think it's awesome. So well, I, I can't wait to see it um, all over the place. Uh, good job, because Great. it sums things up. And you know what? I think, Tony, when it comes out, let's do a contest. Put it out to the listeners that they have to write on, on uh, your website what it evokes in them. Mm, that's a good what idea. What do they think? What? Do, how does it make you feel, and why do you feel that way? Because I think it can be uh, very... Um, a lot of people is going to give us their own opinion on how they feel, what what bring, what comes to them, because it does. When you look at it, everybody's going to have their own. It, view. It, it's like being a psychic lawyer. Okay, right. that always gets a reaction. <laughs> They're like what? Yeah, you know, you know, when I was, how uh, does that work? you know, when I was practicing <laughs> law full time and I'd be at a social event, you know, and say, well, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh, that always evoked an immediate reaction. Sure. If you say Negative, that, probably yeah, right. Oh, usually, usually, <laughs> and you know, you know, I hate lawyers. Why do you hate lawyers? Well, I was arrested <laughs> once, and yeah. oh, okay, so the lawyer made you get yeah, arrested, right? Right. 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 Or I was in an accident that I caused and, oh, and the lawyer made you cause the accident. Um, And then when you tell people that you're a psychic medium and you talk to dead people, that always evokes a reaction. So Yeah. Uh, These days, probably mostly positive, at least, I would think. In a lot of circles, a lot of circles, there's still a lot of uh, people that are mired in primitive fear-based, you know, superstitions. And, you know, they have a right to be primitive and superstitious and filled with fear. Right, right. I, I love his perspective. I really well, do. That's always a so, positive one. Should we uh, start <laughs> talking we about some of these uh, ancient sites? I think we should start traveling the world. So, let's, uh, Mark, where, let's, let's start with where you started the first ancient site or ruin that you, I guess, that really stood out to you that made a like an impact or energy or something spoke to you more than... Wow. What was the first one? Stonehenge. Stonehenge. I was um, attending Oxford University while I was going to law school. Right. And I decided one one Friday to kind of blow off class, <laughs> and uh, two friends and I we took a train to uh, to Salisbury. Oh, you Salisbury. see, we'd look at it as like Salisbury as in the steak, like the steak, steak, but it's it's, <laughs> it's Salisbury, and uh, Stonehenge was near there. And when we approached it, I just had this overwhelming sense of awe. And it's funny because there's people from all over the world there, and a bunch of American tourists were complaining that that's all there is. I thought it'd be bigger. And I'm like, are you expecting a Spielberg-esque effect to come out of the sky? (laughs) I said, do you have any idea what you're looking at? And they're like, well, a bunch of stones. I said, yes, built 4,500 years ago during the time of the pyramids and the stones that were used to construct Stonehenge come from over 150 miles away in Wales. So the question is, how did the people who lived here transport these immense monoliths that weigh several tons from the coast of Wales to the interior of southern England? And then when I was at Oxford, I was conferring with uh, one of my professors and Stonehenge is a series of rings. There's an inner ring, an outer ring. I'm showing like, a know, picture of it right now. Okay, great. And if you take a Geiger counter, okay, there's there's spots all throughout the Earth where there's radiation coming up. Now, hold out on, of the not, Earth. not only not only how did they get there, why? Exactly why? Okay, and we do know that um, a number of the the stones will line up with the sun on the um, the uh, winter solstice mm-hmm. and the the vernal equinox. And uh, the summer solstice. So obviously, it is some form of of timekeeping device calendar. But with the rings, the Earth has areas where there's natural radiation that comes up. And if you take a Geiger counter and go to the outer ring, all of a sudden 
the um, amount of, of radiation kicks up. When you go to the inner ring, it kicks up even more. And when you go to the center ring, there's an even higher amount of radiation. Really? Now, these are hey, hold on. Excuse me, Mark. Uh, may I ask you this? Is, is this the ley lines that they talk about, or is this different? This, this is the rings. I mean, right where a ring of stone starts. I mean, the ley lines on the Earth that they say are, are, are the energy grid of the Earth. It, or it very, is it similar to that, or is yes, it different? It, well, it could be. It could mm -hmm. be. And these were Oxford professors who are telling me this. And the big question that they were saying is, and how is it that people 4,500 years ago knew where radiation increased mm -hmm. to the line. Wow. So, and, and what's funny is because, and, and with all due respect to, to the folks that are Wiccans and pagans, um, I love the way um, the Wiccan movement has adopted Stonehenge. And just because you jump around Stonehenge naked on the you know, summer <laughs> solstice doesn't you know, make it a Wiccan thing. Right. And, and people say, well, the Druids built it. Actually, it predates the Druids. Really? Yeah, we're talking 4,500 years time, ago. Yeah. yeah. And the fascinating thing is that this is the same uh, time period where roughly like 3,500 miles away in Egypt uh, during the fourth dynasty, the Egyptians were building the great pyramids on the Giza plateau. Now, I'm not saying that there is any connection I was between ask, is the there, two. Is, is there any similarities other than the time period? As far as I know, uh, from an architectural and archaeological standpoint, there has not been a connection. I know the a lot of the ancient alien people will say, "Well, that's obviously when they came," and maybe it was, but um, but. It, it is interesting that in that time frame, you had these very sophisticated forms of construction going on, all of which were based on the alignment of the sun at mm -hmm. particular times during the year. So when I first saw Stonehenge, it was just to me so overwhelming. You know, I was sitting there and like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. And so I was explaining things like this to the American tourists who were saying, you know, where's Spinal Tap going to play? Yeah, yeah, where's <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So so that was uh, that was one of the first um first archaeological sites that I visited that really wowed me. So the the people at that time that built this could you tell us or do you know much about the people who built this? Well, we also know that there are several other um, formations like Stonehenge mm -hmm. throughout southern England. Avebury um, is even larger than Stonehenge. Um, really? Yeah, and it's near the town of Avebury, A-V-E-B-U-R-Y. It's not as famous, but it's actually larger. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, and, and Avebury has a similar purpose as Stonehenge. It appears to be aligned with, uh, you know, with the position of the sun. And then if even that one thing seems amazing. How did they right. do this thousands of years ago? How right? did they figure this out? And the well, equinox has to fall on that day. On that day. So you know, in in ancient times, an observatory was a place that you could look at the stars at night. And you have to realize that they didn't. They weren't competing with city lights. And these were also agrarian societies. So when you planted crops was was extreme it still is but you know we we now have these industrial farms and we crank out food and monsanto doing all this genetic engineering right. and things which you know depends on which side you're on <laughs> how you feel about that um but 
in a primitive society. And uh, also when I visited Machu Picchu in, in the mountains of Peru, it was a similar situation where stones were set up, and when the sun would appear between these two stones, that would indicate it was time to plant, and then it was time to harvest. So from a practical standpoint, these, these were created to keep the food supply and the population planting and ergo um, feeding, feeding people. That's pretty amazing to even, like you said, I, could, I wouldn't have never thought that. It's amazing. To think about that. Is it true that beyond the stones, is, wasn't there, didn't they find uh, wooden pillars? Uh, they did, they did, which may indicate that initially it was a wooden structure, or maybe those were some of the markers they put out. And, and In may, building it, maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe originally it was uh, a series of, of wooden structures, and then as they developed the more sophistication to transport uh, these stones, the wood right. was replaced Unless with the stones. Unless a wolf came and blew the wood thing over, and right. then they decided, well, we're going to build it in stone. And <laughs> I mean, the, the story okay. of the three little pigs had to come from somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> now, the, the place where they actually got the stone, why did they, why, I wonder why they got the stone where they got the stone. Why, was, is there no other place to get that? At that particular stone. Or why not just any stone? I, well, um, that I don't know, but mm -hmm. I do know that where they got it from in Wales, uh, the stone, um, I, I guess it's, it's smoother or, you know, it, it was the texture and the quality of what they wanted. Think about the work to get it. But that's what I'm, but how would you go around the, the, the countryside just going, uh, not that one. Not yeah. That I mean, one. if one of I these mean, sections of a monolith weighs 20,000 pounds, right. okay, how do you get it 150 miles? Did they have the wheel? Okay. Uh, did they use boats at least to run it down the coast nearby? I mean, this, there's, it, it's to like get it on the boat would be. Well, crazy. we we take we take um, a wrench. Right. We take a wrench for granted. All right, but there was a whole series of inventions of tools mm -hmm. to get to the point to create the wrench yeah. to create doing these things. Right. right, it had to be important to use that too because why would you go through such work to move that 150 miles? Right. Right. That's Psych insane. Psychically, though, when you're when you're there, you said you were overwhelmed. But what, did you did you feel spirits? Did you feel uh, you know terrestrials? Did you, did you feel? I felt like energy. Just I felt energy. very positive energy. Mm -hmm. Very positive energy. And do you think that was the the radiation area, or it do you think it's be. the stones? What it could think? be because uh, you know the fact that that you know we're all psychic to varying degrees, mm -hmm. um, but for people who are are hypersensitive. Um, what we're tuning into is energy and to frequency and radiation is part of the electromagnetic right. spectrum right. which is what we're talking about um, at least on two of the shows here on truth be told right. about quantum you know quanta and electromagnetic energies mm -hmm. being the basis for spirit communication so basically what's going on at stonehenge is simply a different frequency hmm. with with the electromagnetic spectrum so right. i got a real good feeling from that that's good all right, hey, let's go on to the, he was he was talking about Machu Picchu. Why yeah. don't we go on to there? And, I, isn't I, it true that, that that was only discovered a hundred years ago? Well, the local um, the local Quechua Indians knew that it was there, and in uh, the right, gentleman, the you know, world, yes, right. the Westerner yeah. Hiram Bingham, yeah, Hiram right. Bingham, and and he was you know looking for the lost cities, and basically a group of Quechua Indians says, oh, we'll show you where it is, and so they went to to Machu Picchu and started clearing away brush, and wow. And what's fascinating about Machu Picchu is it appears that it was a city of about 10,000 people. That's, um, that's amazing right there. And, yes, and the food supply, once again, coming to food, and they uh, we'll get to that, that whole talk about food uh, momentarily. 
they they built terraces along the the mountains to grow the food. Mm -hmm. It appears that it was populated mainly by women who were um, virgins dedicated to the god of the sun. And um, the Inca, who was the, the emperor, the ruler of Incan society, it was kind of more of a resort town than it had any political or economic uh, wherewithal to it. So not, not much of a spiritual. Like you would think being... Uh, oh, it was totally of, spiritual. That's why it was uh, the Virgins of the Sun oh, God. Okay. Because there's also uh, an altar there erected for human sacrifice. No pun intended. And nice. I had... <laughs> oh, yeah, let me tell you. I had one of the weirdest... Exp well, <laughs> one of the many weird experiences right, in right. my life. I remember... Um, you know, we saw the altar in the distance. I was with some friends. We were goofing around. And I was standing in this hut. And all of a sudden, I had this flash. And um, it was incredible because I could see a whole line of priests and dignitaries all lined up wearing feathers. Oh, I mean, wow. in the, the Incan cool. costume. And I and it, it was just it was one of those things that just lasted for about five seconds. And I, but I will never forget it. And Do you it think you were very, flashing very to a time of what that maybe was? Yeah, I think I was picking up on on uh, like wow. matter retains memory, mm -hmm. and it was also, from what I understand, considered a great honor to be sacrificed there. You know, this wasn't like the Aztecs where they would go and capture people right, and drag them and rip yeah. their hearts out. Being sacrificed, that's why the virgins of the sun god. Uh, you know, went there and and it was um, considered a, a great honor. Now, I probably shouldn't say this on the radio, but since it's been yeah, what the hell? a while. So on my way to Machu Picchu, I met this woman who was a voodoo high priestess from Brazil. And, I, you know, we hit it off and I was talking and I was with a friend from Germany and this nurse and um, and a friend of mine, one uh, another friend of mine who worked at a museum. And she said, we will go to the Temple of the Sun tonight. I said, but Machu Picchu's closed at night. She goes, don't worry, I have it under control. So we get to the front <laughs> gate at night, and we all gave the guards there $5 each, and they let us into Machu no Picchu at night. Way. Yeah, five I know. Don't like, say oh, that five on bucks the air, I know. Yeah, no, right, right, right. right, right. Uh, next to me, you know, Peruvian secrets. Yeah. So I mean, you know. <laughs> and so we went to the Temple of the Sun, and she starts doing this whole prayer to the gods and she had these special biscuits that she's throwing into the chasm and i'm sitting there going the only thing missing is a ufo and shirley mclean i mean right. that, that's the only i mean you know it's like in no particular order in no particular order <laughs> and it was one of the coolest things ever um and she and, said get naked and lay on the sacrifice table right? yeah i was i was a little concerned about that <laughs> yeah. but but one of the interesting things is that when we turned off our flashlights she said i want you to look at the city of machu picchu and i swear now where are you standing at this point so we, we're at the temple of the sun let me see if we let me can, see if i can yeah, are you looking down on that famous thing that we were it's, looking it's at? all around you it's okay, one so of you're the in pinnacles the oh yeah we are okay in in um, is this it? so it's, is it above you these 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 ruins it's they're above below around oh, so you're it's, literally it's like, in the oh, center yeah, yeah. it yeah um temple of, the sun. temple of the sun it's got like an altar it's got a throne on it actually <laughs> well, this says a sun temple but i don't know if that's it or... e that doesn't look like it i'll know it when i see it there's like a big yeah actually that is it that is it 
that's part of it. Actually, there's like a platform all the way around that that's where we're around. standing. So where are you in relation to this picture on the left here? Tony, if you could put the other picture this up. Is, that's the Temple of the Sun. Yeah, right that's there. the Temple of the Sun. All right, so we were walking around, and uh, Machu Picchu is a fairly large area. So it's, it's above and below. There's all different elevations. And she said, just look at the city. And all of a sudden we realized that the staircases that the Incas built all throughout there seem to glow at night. And it appears that when the Incas were constructing it, they were using um, stone with a high amount of quartz crystal that so had phosphorescence oh, so, in it. Yeah, so, so, And think yeah. about it. It's a pre-electrical society, and they didn't say, oh, well, we don't have electricity, so we can't do anything at night. They figured it out, and so it actually glowed at night, and we found it was easier to 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 navigate around the city without flashlights and just let this natural that's pretty awesome it was really well, see, cool. now that makes sense to me because i could see that they could see that these rocks glow hey let's use these exactly that makes logic and you know um, people were no less clever you know a thousand or four thousand years ago simply a different level of technology and um i will say one thing machu picchu is is should be on anyone with any sense of adventure or intellect's bucket list it is one of the great wonders of the world and i will never forget i was there for three days i saw it at sunrise i saw it at night i saw it in the day in the rain and i'll never forget standing on a cliff watching the sunset over machu picchu and the tears just shot i burst into tears i was so overwhelmed i cried it was the most beautiful thing what is it just the natural beauty seen. or did you feel what it was, was just it was like watching a baby being born mm. it was that type of joy it was incredible wow and uh and it was funny because i'm sobbing and then there's like two or three people on the cliff with me and i hear them all the <laughs> two it all just hit everybody mm. um it's it's breathtaking that's awesome well, i mean i've heard many people that have been to machu picchu uh, talking talking about the the the, uh, the amount of UFOs that are sighted around Machu Picchu. Yes, the the very high uh, mountain that they were showing the the pictures mm -hmm. uh, that appears to be where most of the activity. Mama, yeah, uh, if you go to the uh, the picture, um, see where you have it outlined in the in the one grid. It's just to the upper right of that in the smaller box. To your left, all, all the way all the this way one? to your left. No, you're on the wrong window. The next wrong window. window that oh, this one. one. There you go. Right oh, there. Yeah, the, the very tall mountain there, um, there's also a staircase uh, that goes all the way up oh, there. Oh, really? Yeah, and there's a throne at the top, and that's where the Inca emperor would come and sit and you know, overlook his... Right, because he was also considered a god on Earth. But uh, from from what the the locals, because I was asking the, the Quechua Indians to live there, I go, so what's with the UFOs? I go, oh, they come here, and they seem to hover around that peak. Um, now you can speculate if it happens or if it happens, why it happens, what they're looking for, you know. Um, it, it's just fascinating. It's huh. fascinating. I mean, you could spend a long time there. Yeah, I, I, I definitely want to go. Aren't you going? We're going in, in hopefully March. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, uh, I mean, Machu Picchu, like you said, is kind of a number one bucket list for many people. But uh, is there another one of significance that you've been to that just – well, here in the U.S., the Hononaki Ruins outside of Sedona, and uh, there's a number of tours. Um, I, I highly recommend the, the Pink Jeep tours, but there's other tours as well. I don't want to step on other tour groups' right. toes. 
um, that will take you out there, and it's on uh, you know federal parks. And what's fascinating is that uh, they basically built apartment buildings over 800 years ago. Wow. And what I found there, um, and and uh, I've also visited Mayan ruins in Central America. That looks and, like an upgrade from my apartment. So I don't know. If that... <laughs> uh, they were pretty is pretty sophisticated stuff, and uh, it appears that. Uh, it wasn't far from an ancient riverbed, which makes sense because you have to have a Close water supply to, for yeah. food. And there's um, these plants nearby that grow these uh, berries that taste like little Granny Smith apples. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, they were okay. really good. We're, you know, I was like, you know, making sure everybody else is tasting them first. Right, you're going to be like, you don't know if you're some kill over <laughs> or some hallucinogenic yeah. thing, and yeah. I want to be running around in the desert, you know, <laughs> filled with Western diamondback rattlers and such. <laughs> but um, in, in the, there's a, a language carved all throughout the rocks that uh, archaeologists have still been unable to decipher. What is fascinating is that let's go um, over to Cape Cod. All right, we've all know the story of the first Thanksgiving, or mm -hmm. at least our version of it. So the Pilgrims land, and basically they're starving to death, and the local Indians, Squanto in particular, taught them a secret. Take corn, a bean, and a squash seed and plant the three of them together. And what happens is the squash springs up with these big leaves that shade the very tender corn and bean sprouts. The corn then shoots up. The beans then grow, the bean vine around grows the around the corn. Okay, and there's a symbiotic relationship between the three plants. And when planted together, they actually help each other produce the best squash, the best corns, and the best beans. They're too. more stable. They don't compete for the same nutrients. And I think like... Um, the beans feed on a nutrient that would be harmful to the squash and so on and so forth. So, symbiotic. Symbiotic. Well, the Hononaki Indians were doing the same thing. Now, we're talking the pilgrims. It's roughly year 1620s. And the Hononakis, uh, they went, uh, that, that fell into ruins 800 years earlier. Mm. So that would have been in the, like, the 1200s, um, you know, from, from uh, year 1000 to 1200. Then when I was in Central America, the Mayans planted corn, bean, and squash. And when I was in Peru, the ancient Incas and their forebearers also planted corn, bean, and squash, which are known as the Three Sisters. Now, how is it? that Native American peoples from Canada to the Andes hmm. and beyond are all doing the same thing. So there had to be some form of, of communication on a bicontinental basis. Yeah, uh, and, and here on Truth Be Told, we know that there are no coincidences. There is synchronicity, a complex set of events, seemingly random, which lead to an outcome. Sometimes it's a very good outcome. Sometimes it's a very negative outcome. But something was going on before the Europeans arrived in the New World, and the, somebody figured this out, mm -hmm. some genius thousands of years ago, and then this caught on. So clearly this concept that the Native Americans just sort of sitting around, you know, being stagnant. Whatever grows, grows. Whatever right. grows, grows. Not at all. A, a, an extremely sophisticated society. And there was trade going on, and they understood uh, enough, you know. And let me tell you something. Um, what a great bargaining chip. Okay, um, well, let's negotiate, and I will give you the secret how to grow the most productive crops to feed an entire population. And so then when you start going to 
the 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 uh, Incan ruins in Machu Picchu. Um, they have the Temple of the Sun, but there's also several other structures which, like Stonehenge, are lined up um, to to indicate when the vernal equinox is happening, mm-hmm. when the summer solstice is happening, when the uh, uh, um, the autumnal equinox is happening, mm. you know, all, all four seasons. And then the Mayans, big surprise, in Central America are doing the same thing. So you think this got spread around, this knowledge got spread around the Earth? It, it appears so. It appears so. Now, maybe aliens and UFOs brought it. Maybe it was just trade and negotiation. Um, or maybe there was a more sophisticated form of communication. Well, they used to say that the they always thought the oceans and water was a impediment to these ancient cultures, but now they think they were like highways. It, it would it would appear so. It seems like right. It seems so because you know no society can function without food. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so when you go from a primitive society of hunter gatherers, all right, that's based you're scrounging around. But when you start forming communities and then you start cultivating. Um, crops growing and, three things together purposely because they they work together is way past hunter it's, it's way past and it's actually more sophisticated than the invention of fire okay you think fires are you know a great thing but understanding the mystery of the seed because mm-hmm. now you can feed an entire population this is a huge leap in civilization and and part of the problem is when europeans came and invaded the new world um, they looked at the, the native populations as being inferior and barbaric and so on and so forth. And it's a shame that um, it couldn't have been done differently. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's. I'd that's love to history. have those Maiden codexes now, right? Wouldn't to it? read oh all that God. stuff. Can you imagine? Oh. Just, oh so you gosh. said the, the, the four different cultures, uh, were they closer to the ocean at all or the, to the coastlines? Or were they more in, inland? Well, certainly the, the New England Indians right. were doing that. But then again, Indians in the southwest, which is very far from right. the ocean. 2,500 miles away. Yeah. Right. And Mesoamerica, which is the, the Mayan Aztec cultures. Yeah, part of it's along the coast, but other parts are in the, the middle of Central America. The See, Incans, uh, the Incas, although they did have ships, mm-hmm. they were more of a mountain people. Right. Uh, you know, the Andes Mountains. So... So it seems like all the, all these different desert, well, that's what I'm saying. Jungle, so it couldn't just mountain. be the, the highway of the ocean. So no, it had to be something else. It had yeah. to be something else. Yeah, you just can't like you pick up your. Well, you know, we're always to, right. yeah. Well, we're always looking for these, you know, um, really dy- dynamite mysteries and the ancient ruins. But understanding like something like a food supply and organizing an entire civilization on that because until you can feed your population and then have surplus food, you do not have leisure or spare time within which to erect huge cities mm-hmm. like Chichen Itza, Zabanche, Cajunlich, Machu Picchu, Cuzco, mm-hmm. throughout the so that makes perfect sense because that's our lives too. I mean, first got to get a roof over your head. you got to get a job. you got to get, you know, and then you start worried about how to feed, how DVD to DVD players. The, yeah, right, nonsense, right. You know? a- absolutely, absolutely. You know, so so these are very very vital things and uh, fascinating. I think. Well, I'm gonna I want to <coughs> ask this. In the majority of the, the the cultures that we're talking about are, you know, again, they're no longer there. So, uh, why do you feel that uh, if they knew how to prolong their their feeding uh, the, their 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 crops and uh, they have the waters and then how? Why do you think majority of these have disappeared? 
Uh, was it because of the the Europeans majority of it, or well, with the the Honanaki Indians, it appears that the the, the rivers dried up, hmm. so they they moved, and it seems like they um, uh, maybe became I think the Arapahoes and the so Navajos, so other, so they moved. Yeah. But um, what a lot of what we don't learn in in history class is that um, when the Spaniards landed in South America, within 10 years, 90% of the Native American population died from smallpox, influenza, chickenpox, uh, because they had no immunities. And it spread into South America. And so when Pizarro's troops landed and were marching on Cusco, the Incan army, which numbered 100,000 men, was so sick, m- most of them couldn't even stand, and they were defeated by 150 Spaniards. 150. 150, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, they were so sick they couldn't fight. Number two, uh, they didn't have gunpowder or cannons, which the Spaniards did. And number three, they were terrified of horses. And when they saw mounted huh. troops they thought it was some type of like centaur or like human animal hybrid godlike uh creature which just struck uh terror into them um so biological warfare uh did a did a huge deal uh, on that like where i come from in florida there was a native american nation known as the ice ais indians and they were they're extinct now because of chickenpox smallpox completely wiped out by European diseases, hmm. and so that's that's, that's why that's these sad. cultures disappeared. And you know, the Aztecs, when the Spaniards landed, oh, they must be gods because they had a myth or a belief that a white god with a beard named Quetzalcoatl would land. And as it turned out, Cortez landed on the day of Quetzalcoatl's celebration. So clearly the prophecy had been fulfilled. Meanwhile, the Mayans were like, he's not a god. So so the Mayans retreated into the jungles. The Aztecs welcomed him and, you know, were defeated. But the Mayans, it took almost another 150 years to subdue. The Mayans put them. up a big fight, yeah. Sick them. or not, they weren't rolling over like the Aztecs did. Wow. Well, let's move on from uh, these great ancient sites. Let's move on to something more... Uh, Current, I would guess. You went to Germany as well. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, I did. I did. Um, when when I was 19, I went to Dachau concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Now, it's difficult for a medium under any circumstances to go to a place like that because matter retains uh, energy. And Dachau concentration camps right outside of Munich, it was, I think, the first uh, extermination camp created. And uh, I remember hearing it was a smaller one. Only 40,000 people were executed. Yeah, only 40,000 yeah. were executed there. So, you know, I'd been in, at, in in Munich, and I was in college. And, yeah, I, I knew I could see spirits and all that stuff, but I wasn't thinking about it. And we were at the Hofbra house you know, drinking. I got these big beers, and, you know, and I'm, all, and I'm all hungover with my college buddies. And so we pull up in this bus, and we get out. We're walking around, and, and all of a sudden— I saw these images of thousands. Uh, it was horrible. Gosh. Thousands of shrieking people, and they're in those white and black striped mm-hmm. um, concentration camp, and they were reaching out to me and shrieking and shrieking. And I burst into tears, and I started like freaking out. And I went down on my knees, and I was shaking. And my friend's like, "Dude, what is your problem?" <laughs> 
you know. Was and, this similar to the experience at, at Machu Picchu where you saw? Yeah, the one at Machu Picchu was beautiful and wonderful. This was absolutely terrifying. I, yeah. And most of the people that I was on the trip with didn't know me, but there was one of my friends, David, and he knew something was going on with me. And I'll never forget, he went over and he grabbed me under the arm. He goes, dude, he's had too much to drink. He's totally hungover. Got to get him out of here. And he goes, I don't know what's going on with you, but I know I got to get out, get you out of here. And he got me on a bus, you know, and I remember getting out of there. So you weren't even there long at all? Uh, I was there about a half hour, wow. but it started building, 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 and then it hit me so hard, and I knew I couldn't even go near the crematorium. Mm. I mean, looking at I wanted to vomit. I was shaking. I was crying. You know, it was kind of embarrassing, you know, being 19 and, you know, doing that in front of, you know, all your college friends. Right, right. Um, but, but I remember Dave getting me out of there and, and I go, thank you. He goes, don't mention it because he knew, you know, like it was rumored in the neighborhood about my mom, you know, everybody knew my mom could, could see the future and she could see spirits. So we were kind of like the weird, you know, we we're sort of like the Adams family right, in right. the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> but you know, but we weren't like weird about it. I mean, my dad right. was a NASA engineer and mom was, um, a commercial illustrator and, you know, and a mom and, you know, we as best we could fit into society and and uh, I'm, the, I'm the first one in the family that's gone gone public with it but um if i had been properly prepared if i had been cognizant that this could happen it's like um, i'm with my manager rocky and uh, we went to visit um, ground zero mm -hmm. that was a couple years ago um i think right after never letting go my first book came out and i braced myself Okay, I said, I knew this was going to be hell, oh, and, and it was, and it was. Was it the same thing? Did you see people again, or how I, did I feel? I could feel it, but I was like, okay, I, I needed to keep it at bay. But I think we were there about a half hour. But, uh, yeah, I said, I can't take it anymore because I could only shield it for so long, right. mm. you know, because I could feel the sorrow and the agony. But I want to say this about, about the 9-11 memorial. It has got to be one of the most tasteful and elegant memorials because they have the the bases where the the two towers stood and it's a waterfall and it flows and you can't see the bottom of it it's flowing like into infinity it is it's just it's just so breathtaking mm -hmm. it's 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 elegant it's it's uh it honors these people it's majestic it is the most appropriate and and beautiful um, memorial cool. yeah i i highly recommend i it. wonder if you had any of the experience like what about like the aztecs and stuff you said how they would reach in and tear your heart out with their hand did you feel that like in, did you go to tiwanaku or some of these places well we were at we were at chichen itza and then we were at kahunlich uh, and zabanche which which were cool because they're in the jungle jungle and like we we're the only people there you know it's like it was on my mystical Mayan uh, cruise that we did last year. So we had about um, a dozen uh, people that were with us because some people didn't want to go into the jungle. And, and you know, really? The, the, yeah, I know. Oh my God. Well, the, the whole point of going. Was, well, let me tell you, we saw the stuff running around in the grass. The scorpions <clears throat> look like lobsters. I mean, they're, they're huge. Like everything, you know, Florida's got bugs, but everything yeah. in Florida that's this big is like that big in wow. Central America. And the, and the scorpions were huge. Wow. And there's people walking around flip flops. All right. Um, for all the listeners, when you go to tropical rainforests, do not wear flip-flops. Right. Wear hiking boots, okay? Because there's things there that will bite you and kill you. 
Um, <laughs> I, well, I've been in I've been in rainforest in Central America, South America, the Caribbean, Southeast Asia. Um, gosh, I'm think somewhere else. Um, certainly Hawaii, but that's a very benign uh, rainforest. Right. Thailand was scary. Um, I remember. I remember, um, oh, yeah, the Amazon, too. Oh, uh, duh, yeah, the Amazon. That's pretty scary jungle. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I remember I um, I was in uh, Thailand, and I was up near the Laotian border, and we, we uh, got these two guides, Ung and his wife, Fu, and they're, like, <laughs> this tall. You know, they're, like, these little tiny people, and um, they said, we go to see the Buddha of the mountain, okay? So we're climbing up this mountain, and there's holes. I mean, the whole mountain was just, like, perforated with all these holes, and I go... Oh, look at all the holes. No touch hole. I go, why? Cobra. Many cobra. I'm like, cobras. Oh, and I'm looking man. around. There's like holes everywhere. And they go, oh. good, not raining. When rain, water fill hole. Cobra, come out. And I'm like, oh, God, please not rain. Please oh, not rain. Oh. So, so then we get to the top of the mountain. And there's this cave, and there's a an image of Buddha in the cave, this golden image of Buddha. And we walk in, and bats, like by the gazillions, come flying out. I'm like, great, we climb Cobra Mountain to go to the bat cave to see the bat Buddha. Um, but, you know, and they're like, isn't this beautiful? And all I'm thinking is it's starting to get dark. All I want to do is get off Cobra Mountain, yes. you know. Um, I but, it, it, yeah, it was, oh, <laughs> my God. It, yeah, and they got the, the King Cobra there and then all this. and and uh, <laughs> But it was very, very interesting. Um, so, anyway. No, I, <laughs> no, actually, I was going to ask you before we get too far away from it. Uh, uh, Dachau and even 9-11, the, the memori memorial. Uh, when you go there, is there any way for a psychic medium or some somehow that we can go in there and help release those either souls that are tortured or just the, the heaviness? Of that. Is there any way that somebody can do that? Um, I know it's a lot of a lot it, of people that were killed there. Well, I know Gettysburg. Um, right. I, I haven't been to Gettysburg. Well, maybe I was when I was a kid. I've been to Vicksburg, but uh, Battle of Vicksburg. But I haven't been to Gettysburg. And I understand there's uh, every psychic that goes there they say see. they see things. Yeah. I used to be of the opinion that that there were spirits that were somehow trapped here. I no longer believe that. And it's because of my study of quantum physics. It is, okay, the, the, there's three schools of thought on a haunting. One, that it's a spirit trapped here. Two, that they're not trapped here, but they like to come back and visit. Just and that's, that's the one that, that I'm, I subscribe to. Mm -hmm. And three, that, they are, that it is a residual energy echo. So when you see, like, a soldier at Gettysburg or the, uh, the, 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 um, the Dachau... Uh, victims of the Holocaust. Right. That's not actually ascension spirit. Mm -hmm. It's it's like it's it's no more ascension spirit than your reflection in a mirror is you. Uh, okay? Wow. okay, so think of it as an echo is no more your voice. It's an echo. So that's what you're seeing, like when you were in uh, Machu Picchu, when you saw these old exactly. priests. Exactly, that's all it was saying. Exactly, okay. I saw like this energy echo. And there are ways to go in and to interrupt the echo. Um, it's funny because uh, there's this, I won't mention the place, but there's this restaurant in, in Central Florida. And I was there with a friend of mine, and she's a psychic medium. 
and we were having dinner, and it's uh, supposedly haunted, which is great for business. I mean, haunting is good Perfect. for business. You know, right. I mean, people want to go to this restaurant and go, Woo! you know. And so we picked up on the energy echo, and we did this thing to kind of – it's like if it's an echo, you interrupt it. And that's what, like, exorcisms and house clearings mm -hmm. and things that the, the paranormal uh, groups do. So we deflected it away, and, and, um, and she tells the manager, and he goes – you Don't did what? Right. I mean, he, the guy was like losing his mind. You know, get her back. Bring get the ghost right. back. We're like, no, no, no. It wasn't essential. No, no, I don't care. You know, because apparently haunting is is good for business. And mm. I haven't been back since because I know he was really <laughs> ticked like, off. You, you're a little too into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have about seven minutes left. I know this is. Oh you, yeah, we got. To, oh yeah, I forgot. And uh, you, you're good, definitely you're a fixture for truth be told because oh, anytime thanks. you're in town, you're gonna you're gonna be here. Uh, but uh, Captain Ron has never had a psychic reading. Mm -mm. Would you? Uh, would you be willing to? Sure, she'll be happy to. But um, let me uh, for all the listeners. Um, yeah, give uh, some of your. Yeah, I'm on tour, and I'll be in Denver at the Arvada Center for Arvada. Um, Arts, mm -hmm. um, doing an evening of spirit communication. Uh, that will be on Saturday. July 29th, and then I will be the keynote speaker at the IONS, International right. Association Near-Death Studies, a couple days later um, in Westminster, which is, you know, just outside of Denver, so it's, it's, it's Denver proper. Well, you do near-death experience stuff, too, NDE stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, How about the great. next show um, we do yeah, about we NDE? Yeah, we should do NDE show. I would love that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was going to bring that up, but when we got into the ancient mysteries and archaeological Yeah, that's sites, hard for us to pass that up, but yeah. NDEs would be a great, we'd do a whole show on NDEs. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, those a little kid, yeah, I had an yeah. had an NDE, and oh. and uh, but my both my parents did, and and uh, so so these things, you know, have always been part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, so if people want to find out about getting uh, tickets to these events, just please visit my website, which is evidenceofeternity.com. You can follow me on Facebook, on YouTube, and uh, there'll be my summer tours right on the front page. Just click on that, and it'll give you all the detail. So I'll be doing a gallery event where I'll be connecting uh, random you know audience members mm -hmm. with loved ones in spirit and then i will also um then be speaking at ions as well what's ions uh international association of near-death studies thank there you for making me clarify that <laughs> we know it is i you know we work with it so much we you <laughs> right, know yeah, so, you just... okay all right so let's see if i can pick up on any spirits around you ron um immediately one two three four five Woo! you got some folks here all right yeah. All right, there's a male energy coming back. He feels it coming in, and he feels like he could be a generation above you or the one above that. So it could be on the parent or the grandparent level. Now, here's what I'm getting with this guy. I feel this draining sensation going right through him. Now, the draining sensation, Ron, indicates to me that his passing was not a quick event. So he had like a disease um, that takes you down a click at a time. It could be cancer. It could even just be old age, okay? But I'm seeing his throat looking really really thin and what i'm getting with him is this blockage in my mind so this is indicating to me something was going on in his head but to me it feels like uh, a dementia possibly dementia alzheimer's read uh, feel very similar so he was having a very difficult time maintaining mental focus and clarity um and then i'm tasting a lot of blood and then I'm seeing, um, so what this could also indicate is that when he actually did die, it could have been an aneurysm or a stroke because I'm getting like a bleed out in the head. Um, and I'm also, yeah, getting a lot of incoherence prior to him passing. Does any of this uh, resonate or make sense to Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Okay. 
Um, he wants you to know that all that stuff is gone. That's just an indicator. And it's funny because I know lots of people drink coffee, but he's put this big blue um, Folgers coffee can, <laughs> and he's opening up, and I'm smelling the coffee coffee, and he's handing it to you. What's what's with you and the, the coffee? He's a big coffee guy. He was the coffee guy. He guy, not uh, me, him. Okay, it's interesting. Now, uh, normally I go through a whole explanation. That's a double hit. You don't drink coffee. He loved coffee. Okay. Um, rabbits. Is there something with you and rabbits? Okay. Ra uh, that's okay. That's okay. Rabbits are also an indicator for time frame. This could be a significant birth, death, anniversary, or event. Wait a second. Did you ever go to the Playboy Club? No, I have not. Because he showed me the Playboy logo <laughs> with the little Playboy and the bunny ears. <laughs> Maybe that I, don't I know that's kind of a defunct thing, but yeah. there's something about there's. I think there's something in his past that he doesn't mm -hmm. want to say on the air in front of millions of people. <laughs> All right, but it could also be a time frame between March 10th and April 20th. Significant births, deaths, anniversaries, or events connected to him or you or him. some him in what way? Birth, birth. Okay, what it is? I associate rabbits with Easter. Okay, and that's what gives me a time frame. But the funny thing is, Ron, when he focuses on you, hmm. he shows that little, you know, unless you're like the total babe magnet or something. That's but true. Oh, is that true? I hear people even on YouTube, we love his hair. All right. <laughs> All right. So so you're getting the babe magnet thumbs up from the other side. Okay. Um, was he, was he, um, wait a second. Now he's jumping tracks. He's showing me a diamond ring. Now, of course, most people, most ladies have diamond rings, but diamonds are also the birthstone for the month of April. It could be birthdays, anniversaries, events in the month of April. It could be significant to him or you or someone close to you in April, unless there's a diamond sure. or diamond ring that makes sense to you in any way. Not sure. He wore a diamond ring. Bingo. Bingo. Ta -da. Ta -da. Okay. Now, let's get a message. Tell, see, what do you want Ron to know? Interesting. Keep expanding. Keep expanding. Keep expanding. Are you doing something with the show to expand it? Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it's something about, it's actually, and this is good news for you too, Tony. Something <laughs> about the show, he goes, keep expanding, keep expanding. And and I know I throw the, the term quantum around a lot because I, I work quantum physics, but he's talking about you're ready for the quantum leap. You're ready for the quantum leap. So I don't know what you guys have planned, but I'm getting this feeling that you're expanding the show, you're about to do this leap to we something are. That's bigger. That's the plan right there. Oh, yep. fantastic! You're getting big time thumbs up, big time. Th is this going to happen by September? By November first, we thought, right? Okay, because I'm seeing September, 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 oh, September. Great. Okay. All well, right. Good. Actually, well, good. Never mind. The quantum leap is coming. Um, it's not going to go quite as smoothly as you think at first, but ride it out, ride it out, ride it out. And it's funny because he shows like this, like you're in a, uh, both of you actually are in a canoe and you're hitting the rapids and it's like, ah, and then all of a sudden it, it planes out. Okay. So, so whatever it is that you're doing is going to have a bit of a rough start, but you're going to make it just fine. Okay. Um, was there an Abigail, a Gail, or an Abigail, or an Abby? Mm, no. Does that make sense to you in any way? Mm -mm. I keep mm -mm. getting an Abby or an Abigail. <laughs> he lived on Abbey Shire. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> now, let me explain to you why. That's See, in, 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 uh, <laughs> my interpretation of things doesn't matter, only yours does. Okay, and names, I always get something close. He lived on Abbey Shire. I'm like, Abby, Abby, Abigail. 
when a spirit gives me a message of an explanatory or advisory nature, like the quantum leap and whatever you guys are doing with the show, expanding, it's good. And it's going to kind of be off to a rough start, but, but you know, give it two, three months and it'll, it'll plane out. That's great. Spirits know I want verification. So when they give me advisory or explanatory messages and then immediately follow it up with an objectively verifiable fact, Abbey. He lived on Abbeyshire Road. That's how you and I know that we have properly received and interpreted the message. Okay, now I realize that we are in the month of July, but he just put all this watermelon in front of me. Now, watermelon's my indicator for July. It could also mean a potassium issue or you love watermelon, hate watermelon. Does that make sense <laughs> in any way to you? Well, it's funny you said potassium issue because he took potassium. Bada bing, bada, bada verifiable <laughs> fact. Okay. And that's so that's true. how spirits work with me because, you know, I'm an evidential medium. And people say, one of it is to it because this isn't texting or instant messaging. What's happening is they're pure consciousness. They're emitting waves of frequency to me. And, and that electromagnetic energy then melds with the energy in my brain and gets translated into recognizable concepts. Now, that's not so woo-hoo-y because think about it. How are we communicating with each other? Through auditory frequency. Wow. So these sounds are hitting your eardrum, vibrating, going, uh, going being converted from um, mechanical energy into electrical energy which goes into your brain and you know what those sounds mean because your brain converts them into recognizable concepts if I were speaking Chinese to you you wouldn't understand until you started working with it so that's why it's not texting or instant messaging we're communicating with a different frequency another dimension they transmit this stuff to me because he knows that that this whole thing whatever it is you guys are doing is weighing very heavily on your mind right now but he also says you got to the blanket part okay it's like do it do it okay there's no turning back we're doing it and he said stop worrying about it just do it awesome he worked for nike no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing it was amazing that was amazing it was really good well mark i am so happy that you are in town again rocky you too and uh please come back and see us again we always Thank love you. having you again, ndes next time tony what'd you say ndes we'll talk about <laughs> yeah that's right that's yep. right again tell us uh what's coming up in your website before we get out of here uh be um an event at the arvada center in colorado outside of Denver on Saturday, July 29th, and then a couple days later, August 3rd, I am the keynote speaker at IANS, International Association of Near-Death Near Studies. Experience. For information on tickets, and, and uh, please visit evidenceofeternity.com. That's my website, same as my, my best-selling book, evidenceofeternity.com. Well, we love having you. Thank you again. Thanks, uh, make sure you guys go to web, uh, our web TV show on uh, YouTube. It's called Truth Be Told Web TV and uh, truthbetoldwebtv.com. We love you guys. We'll see you next week right here on Truth Be Told.